Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Kevin L. Jackson with you here on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing quite well. Happy Juneteenth. Thank you. An official holiday. We're all working on a holiday. That's how dedicated we are. <laughs> that is right. That is right. And Kevin, uh, Kevin, I got to share with you the obligatory message. You are on mute, sir. I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> There you go. But I share, I really appreciate your dedication and happy Juneteenth, everyone, from the birthplace of Juneteenth, Galveston, Texas. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to touch on um, an incredible event that you and your team uh, had yesterday. Uh, and, and as I understand it, Kevin, yesterday is official Juneteenth, and today is when really most of the country and the business world is recognizing. Is that right? Yeah, it's just like every federal holiday. If the holiday actually falls on a Sunday, you get that Monday, or falls on the weekend, you get that Monday off. So, um, yep. So today is the uh, uh, you know official Juneteenth holiday, but you know, gotcha. It didn't match up. Well, I can tell you guys that for better or for worse, it's being celebrated in the usual American fashion by people going to the beach <laughs> and swilling beer. So, um, but m much respect for Kevin for what you've done, what Congress did, and in uh, enacting and and. Um, and celebrating and uplifting and giving us a focal point for this thing, which, like Scott said, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too much. <laughs> we'll talk about it a little later in the show. Well, uh, it, it's really cool. We're going to talk about that in the kind of the second uh, half hour here today on, on the Supply Chain Buzz Digital Transformers Edition. Yeah. So, folks, uh, Kevin and Greg, we're going to be talking about uh, a wide variety of stories from uh, top supply chain tech trends to what I'll call an intriguing Slink story. You're not going to miss that. Uh, and Slinky. of course, the special Slinky story. <laughs> Someone's going to be slinking away after that story. Uh, a big special Juneteenth event that Kevin and his team led in Galveston yesterday. You're not going to want to miss. So stay tuned, uh, buckle up, and get ready because we want to hear from you as well. We already see a bunch of folks. Uh, uh, chiming off in the cheap seats. We're going to uh, say hello in just a second. But before we do, Greg and Kevin, can we do a little little housekeeping? Can we do a little, uh, can we pay the bills? Y'all okay with that? Don't let the light go out. Don't, yes, can't, let's can't, do that. You really can't survive without cable. That's, <laughs> that's right. Um, so first up, we've been talking about this event, Greg, for quite some time. Uh, this webinar with our friends Madov and Laura uh, and the Koopa team this Wednesday, uh, June 22nd. I can't believe it's hard to June 22nd at 12 noon Eastern time. And Greg, folks should not get wrapped up into the notion of sovereign supply chains because it's really about what? Well, because it's really about the fact that hardly anyone knows what the hell a sovereign <laughs> supply chain is anyway. But but it's if you think of sovereign supply chains as extreme reshoring, basically reshoring everything, for instance, um, a radical idea um, mostly touted by 
one one or two countries that have absolutely no chance of accomplishing it. Um, but it is it's somewhere between nearshoring, reshoring, alternate shoring, and sovereign supply chains is uh, is the right approach for a number of companies. Right, some frankly will be stuck in in relying on international supply chains, but but there are some opportunities, and I think we need to talk about the reality of that um, and, and the reality of the ranges and present it. You know, Madhav and Laura are great resources to present the range of possibilities out there that might be right for your company. Yeah, well said. And, folks, uh, we're going to be talking about not only the movement and why, not just here in the U.S., uh, as Greg alluded to. Uh, there's movements in India and the EU and elsewhere. But more impo- most importantly, we're going to be talking about what you must know and how it's going to impact and some steps you can take. So join us for free this Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern time. Uh, okay. And then finally, you know, uh, it's an honor, you know, just like it's been an honor to um, collaborate with Kevin on some of the cool things he's doing. In fact, we've got an episode that we'll touch on being released uh, a week from today. It's also been a high honor uh, for our supply chain now team to partner with our dear friends at Vector Global Logistics uh, and to uh, fuel these efforts of leveraging logistics for Ukraine. So these weekly production meetings, you know, work facilitation meetings where we're trying to identify vetted needs and work with um, vetted transporters and logistics firms to get um, humanitarian aid in place, boots on ground in Poland and beyond. Um, already three or four containers have made their way across the pond to, to reach uh, the folks that um, are really in need. Uh, and we invite you to join us on July 12th at 11 a.m. Eastern time uh, for the next working session. It's moved to a monthly session. And folks, you don't have to, you know, no one's going to put you, you know, at gunpoint and, and make you donate anything. It's not like that. Uh, if you want to come and not gunpoint, Scott, <laughs> but uh, we're going to really make you feel bad. There will be a point. <laughs> That's right, Greg. Yeah. What was that, Kevin? <laughs> right. What was that, Kevin? We're going to really make them feel bad for not giving, though. <laughs> That's right. You got to, you know, of course, um, it goes back to Greg's comment. Hey, give, give any, just give, give of any size, but just give. But regardless, even if you're not in position, hey, join us uh, as, you know, bring your kindred spirits, uh, bring your market intel, or come and, and learn more about what's really going on on the ground uh, July 12th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And again, the link for both the webinar and the link to uh, the July 12th. Uh, session is in the comments. Okay, so Greg and Kevin, before we get into our first story, we've got a slew of folks that are dialed in, uh, Kevin. And Kevin, just to clarify, so Greg, of course, is from the Supply Chain Now headquarters in Hilton Head. He's probably tracking the index. I think it was up to 29 ships waiting to get into Savannah. Yeah, that's a key Um, operational location for Supply Chain Now. That's right. It is. 34 as of this morning. Wow. It's It's getting worse really fast. Mm. And Kevin is on the road. I think he's been on the road some 22 days in a row. He is still in Galveston, right, Kevin? Yeah, I'm still in Galveston. Um, My underwear is is the third turn. It's the third turn. Oh, no. I keep trying Oh gosh! Oh man! TMI, TMI, as Michael. You got to use the thing, Kevin. Come on. 
All right. Like all guys do. So moving moving right along, uh, no more Hanes talk or Fruit of the Loom or whatever your preference is. Let's, let's dive into some folks that are here with us here today. Eric is back with us via LinkedIn from Ecuador. Eric, looking forward to your takes here today. Reese is tuned in via LinkedIn. Hey, Reese, let us know what part of the world you're tuned in from. Of course, Catherine and Chantel and Amanda, uh, the production team is helping to make Things happen here today. Thanks for what you do, Catherine. Kavan is back with us, Greg and Kevin. Yeah, wow. Uh, Outstanding. Dialed in from Tehran, Iran, uh, via LinkedIn. Right. Uh, the the author uh, who coined, uh, the PhD, who coined the phrase, the new abnormal. So, Kavan, great to see you here today. Hey, Phil, let everybody know where Gene is from there, Greg. Uh, he's from N.A. Yes. Northern Alabama. <laughs> That's right. So that is right, Gene. Hope this finds you yeah. well. Uh, he's not yeah, LA, no. not lower LA Alabama. Versus LA, Northern Alabama, right? You know, yes. keep that stuff yeah. straight. Yeah. That is right. Uh, not to be confused, uh, those two places. But, Gene, great to see you here. Um, Ola is tuned, tuned in via LinkedIn. Ola, let us know where you're tuned in from. Um, Eric, hey, just like here in the States, in Ecuador, it was all, also Father's Day. So, Eric, let us know what you did to celebrate uh, the day. Yeah, uh, Dr. Ronda. Both to you. Oh, and well, yeah. and to you. <laughs> thank, yeah. you. thank you. And you. You know, I, yeah, I had the pleasure actually yesterday. My father was at the celebration. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I was, That's um, outstanding. I was able to uh, honor him, uh, which was mm. really special for me. I bet. Uh, and where does your father live? So he actually lives in just outside of Baltimore, Maryland, right? And uh, he was um, uh, visiting um, down here in Texas and uh, not actually in Galveston, but he decided to take a little side trip. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Nice. So that's, a, that's special. That's awesome. Really yeah, very special. Yeah. Well, um, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to sit down and interview you. Uh, Mr. Jackson Sr., I guess. Uh, we'll have to get the goods on what, how bad of a of a, a youngin that Kevin was oh, no. back in the day. Can't be telling. That's how he wound Can't up in the military. Don't you think? Like that. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Well, speaking of fathers, uh, my dad is tuned in. Uh, Mr. Terry Don or Don Terry Luton from Aiken, South Carolina. Great to see you, uh, Dad. Happy Father's Day. It's good to see you this weekend. Uh, hey, hey, uh, Mr. Mohib is with us from also a father and a really good one uh, in Wichita. Sunny today, Kevin, in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, and he says, happy Juneteenth, there's more 2022. Sun, there's more sun here in Galveston than in, in Wichita. <laughs> I, I guarantee they get more than their share. <laughs> <laughs> and they got a few extra degrees yeah, few in extra Galveston. Degrees. I can. Uh, Shantara is with us here via LinkedIn. Like, let us know where you're dialed in from. Great to have you here today. Reese obliged. He said he's watching live from sunny St. Pete, St. Petersburg, uh, Florida. Great to have you here today. Uh, Mary Jane tuned in from Ontario via LinkedIn. Great ah. to see you. And Shantara says, I hope I'm saying that right. Shantara, Shantara, let us know, uh, from sunny California. I bet it's gorgeous there, huh? You know, some people from the team here, uh, all from California, right? They got off the plane. They, they, they couldn't last like 
20 seconds <laughs> because of the, the, the heat and the uh, humidity. You know, it's, it's a lot different. Uh, heat in Sacramento, Sacramento is different than heat in Texas. <laughs> I believe it. That's true. I believe it. Well, hey. It's true. You can sweat without moving <laughs> in, in Galveston, right? Speaking of Texas, uh, Dennis LaRoche from Needville, oh. Texas, is tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to see you. I don't know what part of the state that yeah. is. Do you guys? Let us know. Is that? Uh, is that? Yeah, we need to Google <laughs> Needville, yeah. Texas. Okay. Well, folks, we gotta get to work. Uh, and and to everyone watching in the comments, regardless what platform you're on, we'd love to get your take on what we talk about here today. And we'll be sprinkling we'll be sprinkling that in throughout the hour. But uh, Greg and Kevin, are y'all ready to get to work? No. Let's do it. Let, <laughs> Kevin's been working all weekend, which we can. We can relate. Yeah, yeah, you're right. can relate. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So only 50 more minutes, Kevin, and then you're free for the rest of the day, right? Uh, all right. So diving into our first story where Dan Berthiome, uh Berthium, I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Berthium. Yeah, thank you, Berthium. So Dan Berthium at Chain Store Age is offering up the top supply chain technology trends thus far this year, at least according to our friends at Gartner and their analysis. So Greg and Kevin, I'm going to name a few here from the article. Yeah. It's a good read. Y'all check it out. We'll be dropping the link in the comments. Hyper Automation 2.0. A lot of folks will, will probably need to know what that means. Well, the current state, yeah. as y'all might ex expect, anything automation leans heavily on AI and machine learning. But where the 2.0 comes in, it's supposed to lead to more of uh, things like remote fulfillment uh, networks and, and the like. Um, next generation robots, what sets them apart from the current generation. One of the things is, is how much they communicate amongst themselves. That's pretty cool. Uh, the security mesh, which we were talking about pre-show, you know, it, it's, um, you know, a mesh is a good word for it. It's like a blanket that covers all aspects of your global supply chain to ensure there's no weak links. And we all know the value that that's going to pose as more bad actors try to, you know, shut things down for uh, monetary gains and whatnot. But Greg, that was three to things out of the, out of the list of, I don't know, 10 or 12 that, that stood out to me. Some of your thoughts here. Yeah, I was surprised that nobody, uh, as long as we're using, uh, what should I say, um, descriptive terms, was surprised nobody used the term tra radical transparency, which is, I mean, maybe we feel like that's already been done, but a lot of these are necess necessary outgrowths of the fact that we've had a uh, at least 5% unemployment rate just in supply chain since 2019. And so many more jobs or needs have been recognized and created and technology has had to take the fore in these things as people stay away from supply chain in droves. So uh, I think it, it's inevitable that some of these things happen. I work, uh, have worked with a company, Dr. Kon Yakwu, um, at a company called Cosmico that, uh, that, um, allows robots, for instance, to work with and coordinate with one another, even if they're different brands on different operating systems, all of that sort of thing. So you don't have to be tied to a particular brand of, of uh, robot, let's say, or operating system, just to give you an idea of, of the applicability of this. And of course, yes, taking technology beyond AI and ML into other technologies is really important. 
autonomous uh, also mentioned in the article, I think is, is very, very important because so many of these little beasties, the robots and whatnot, um, are going to be necessary, right? I, you know, my opinion is that we will never solve the driver shortage, for instance, in, in ground transportation. Um, and so we must depend on that. And frankly, I think, you know, in, in some cases, it's, it actually creates a greater safety, not a, con, not a concern for safety. Mm. So in any case, we'll, be, we'll see a lot of, of transformations, though one of the things we have to acknowledge is that suddenly innovative technology companies are suddenly under the microscope to produce profit or at least build a pathway to profit, which right. will, by its nature, slow the progress of innovation and disruption because that's expensive. Right. Um, and companies can't get away with advancing at, you know, advancement and innovation at any price anymore. So it's going to be an interesting um you know, it's an interesting development mm. over the years. Agreed. Kevin, I'm coming to you in just a second. Mm -hmm. I wanna I wanna pull this in from the comments. First off, Dennis, uh Needville, Texas, about wow. an hour from Galveston, there we go. right oh, down okay. Highway 36. Were you here yesterday? <laughs> Wait, let us know, Dennis. <laughs> we were at the event yesterday. Uh Saeed is with us. Uh, great to see you here. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Uh, and then finally, Rami. Uh, is tuned in from Ottawa, which is, of course, Canada's capital, uh, all via LinkedIn. So great to see you here today. Okay, so Kevin, what we're talking about here are some of the top supply chain technology trends here in 2022. I bet for you, it's like uh, waking up Christmas morning because <laughs> it, a lot of it's all about digital transformation, right? Yes, it's all about digital transformation. But one thing that we can't forget, and I've said this many, many times, you can't Forget about humans and the digital transformation. And I was kind of uh, disappointed that they didn't say anything of, about the humans uh, in this automation thing, okay? Uh, for instance, yeah, everybody knows about robots. Everybody's scared of robots. But what about cobots, right? The robots are, that are designed to work in tandem with humans. Uh, that is a, a big area of automation and very important area of automation that people really need to think about. Um, you know, it's great, as Greg said, that the robots could talk to one another, but the humans need to be able to talk to the robots and, and the, the humans need to be able to understand what the robots need and want. I mean, they are, they're the co-workers. It's not like, you can't ignore your human co-worker, so you can't ignore your robotic co-worker either. And, and, and the other thing that it's really um, uh, that, I guess, um, not nascent, but sort of uh, hidden that people really don't think about uh, is the power of artificial intelligence and how it is affecting robotic process um, automation or RPA. And this is really getting into the blending of AI with the internet of things like every uh the, the robots themselves are part of the internet of things and you think about SCADA uh these are the um uh, uh, uh pieces of equipment um uh, that are being uh run and managed and they all are connected to the internet and they all have to communicate with one another and these SCADA um uh, is providing huge amounts of data and analytics. And those analytics 
are being sent to the robots. And if they're managing the robotic process automation and RPA, uh, so all of this is, you know, creating a, a new environment where, right. where humans have to fit in, okay? Uh, so don't be afraid of it. You have to explore it, understand it, right. blend it. But more important, management can't forget the human. Don't forget the people when it comes to automation. Love that. And, and why SCADA? I thought your uh, some Texas swing was working its uh, swing. Some Texas twang, <laughs> twang was working its way into your uh, your lexicon. You know, talk, I thought we we're talking Tony Hawk <laughs> and uh, Rob Deerdeck or something with Skata, uh, but you're talking about a tech- nice <laughs> technology. <though>. Good reference. <laughs> um, hey, I try. We try. Um, all right, really quick. But, uh, I yeah, want to- somebody didn't understand. Well, Skata supervisory control and data acquisition. Right. This is this is um, software applications that control industrial processes. All the industrial processes are, are controlled by these um, components uh, that gather data in real time from remote locations in order to control the equipment and to manage the equipment based upon the conditions, the real time conditions that the um, equipment are in. Okay. A new acronym. We love new yeah. acronyms around here. S-P-A-D-A, hey, uh, this yes. is <laughs> yes, right. This is Shauna. I think Sean Chantera goes by Shauna. So Shauna, welcome. Uh, she, she totally agrees to the points um, that you were making earlier. When digitizing supply chains, companies need the most help stretching their budgets, but having the right talent and the right tech are issues as well. Mm. Excellent point there. Uh, I believe this is Richard. From Waco, Texas, Richard joins us occasionally here, here uh, uh, every so often. Great to see you here today. Uh, clearly part of Evans Dispatching Logistics Supply Distribution, uh, Waco, Texas. So great to see you. Um, all right. So Greg and Kevin, uh, I want to move right along because in this next story, oh boy, folks, <laughs> get your popcorn and Diet Coke ready because we're, we're about to dive in. Uh, we're going to follow Greg's lead here. We're about to dive into this, this Slink story that hit the headlines Friday or Saturday, I don't know, but but Greg and Clay and Amanda and I and, and a few others were all together this weekend, and we started sharing and talking about it. And, gosh, the deeper you go, <laughs> almost the worse it gets. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so, But we should yeah. quick shout-out before Greg kind of lays it out. Uh, Emma Cosgrove, one of the best in the business. She's now a business insider. She's the one that is, is – leading the reporting of this slink story. So with all that said, Greg, unpack this thing for us. Tell us more. So Emma uh, received these reports from people who had been working at slink um, and recently felt compelled to resign because they hadn't been paid. So even though this company um, and Scott, I think initially I may have misquoted the valuation. Let's, Let's just call it somewhere in the 250 to 500 million dollar valuation range when they received funding in of 60 million dollars in February of 2021 appears to have difficulty making payroll. So, um, but their CEO uh, Chris Kirchner has no difficulty in bidding for a 40 million dollar um, 
English <laughs> champion, which is their first minor league uh, soccer team. Uh, they they are a sponsor of the Dallas Stars, though they're eight hundred thousand dollars behind in their payments for that sponsorship. They have somewhere in the neighborhood of seven, five or seven uh, PGA European Tour and LPGA brand ambassadors who wear. If you ever have watched a golf tournament in the last year or two, several have Slink IO. Justin Rose right. is one of them. Mark Leishman is another, uh, and there are several others, but. Um, they're sponsoring that. They sponsor an IndyCar team, uh, of which uh, Kirchner claims Kirchner Autosport is is also a partner, or I, I, he at least alludes to the fact that he's a partner with Michael Andretti of Andretti Autosport, one of the biggest IndyCar teams on the uh, planet. And I'm sure I'm missing something. I'm sure that I'm missing something, but clearly that $60 million has not been spent wisely if people are not getting paid. And now, now the sponsors are not getting paid. And I just learned, though I think this happened a few days ago, that uh, Chris unfortunately had to rescind his bid for the soccer team as funding. He couldn't wrangle funding uh, for that. So, uh, but look, this, this isn't about the money. I mean, the money is just a symptom of the problem. This is a, and I talked to a number, it's kind of a round table of other founders and investors that I talk to frequently in this weekend. We talked about this culture of self-aggrandizing celebrity founders. They're more enthralled with the celebrity than they really care about growing companies. This in my opinion, appears to be another one of those cases, much like Adam, what's his face from WeWork, <laughs> um, and and others, others who have been self enriching and self aggrandizing individuals at the expense of their companies, and in this case, at the expense of their people's paychecks, which I simply cannot live with. So I was compelled to share uh, some of this information and um, and also share what a good founder should really care about, right? Results is the first thing. Second thing is results. And the third thing I bet you can guess is more results. Um, and, and also where, where a, an, an entrepreneur or founder should place themselves selves in the order of things in terms of their importance. First team, then customers, then investors, then humankind, family, friends, etc. then a whole slew of other people, trading partners, blah, 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 go down another five or six layers, and then maybe, maybe start thinking about yourself. But traipsing around the world, getting your picture taken with famous people, that's not leadership. Agreed. Agreed. Kevin, I'm going to get you to comment here in just a second. Mm-hmm. But hey, Dr. Rhonda, it is. It is very disheartening, especially with the folks you know that are going without the, the uh, wherewithal, they need to pay their own bills uh, as this is taking place. Sylvia, great to see you here today. Yes, PGA 2021 was on Kiowa Island in the Charleston area. And uh, she also says, yes, Greg White, you nailed it. And I agree. Um, and one last point here, and Kevin, I'd love you to weigh in. Yeah. I saw Justin Rose. It was, it was really strange. As I'm watching the final round of the U.S. Open yesterday, and, you know, of course, the story is already out there. I see Justin Rose, but he's in a – I think it was a credit card commercial, but he had his golf apparel on and a, a big old slink IO mm. 
uh, logo was on it. Mm-hmm. So it's, ama- it's, it's amazing all the cross pollination that goes on. But Kevin, your thoughts here as we're talking about Slink and uh, and clearly uh, failing priorities, I'll call it. <laughs> well, to be honest, it sounds a lot like this other um, multi-billion-dollar organization that had a C- CEO that um, really liked to be in the limelight. Um, uh, I think his name was uh, Giotti, <laughs> the celebrity Don, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Okay, and it's so. Um, so I, I don't know. If people may not know, but uh, he was an American gangster and boss of the uh, Gambino Cram family yep. in New York City, right? Uh, and uh, he was top, I guess, in his crafts. But he liked to be in front of the uh, TV and in, in uh, the uh, papers, and he liked, you know, the uh, uh, people to be writing articles about him. And and it didn't do well for the mafia, right? I mean, they got they, they yeah. the, the 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 mafia famously um, really lost a lot of his power because he was just trying to look good. He was so, so out, out there. there, right? So, um, you know, it, it's not good for anyone if the, right. uh, the, the the CEO only cares about themselves and only cares about mm. being seen. Um, I mean, marketing is important to business, but marketing isn't business. <laughs> mm. Well, all right. Lots of T-shirtisms here. <laughs> I want to share a couple quick comments, and I'm going to circle back on a key question from a tool here. Uh, but Sylvia says, hey, never, le- never let greed overcome you. Mm. Wise words from her mentor, Fred Chatty. Uh, and Goule is probably agrees with what both of you are saying. And a tool here, Greg, I want, I want you to weigh in here because you, you, you touch on this um, in your supply chain commentary mm-hmm. that we've already dropped the link in. So a tool asks, what do you think impact of such news on valuations of similar companies in this space? Greg? Yeah, well, similar companies would be these companies that call themselves digital brokerages, right? Um, Which are really mostly just brokerages, but have been getting technology valuations. And I think it does not bode well, frankly, for those companies. And it it will probably accelerate the recognition of the realities of that business model, frankly. But it's not going to help any founder. And that's one of the things that I opened with was, you know, founders, this is one of the last, this is the last thing that founders need. Founders of technology companies are already being challenged to get eyes on profitability or, or get to profitability. Uh, the money that they so freely got at Slink has completely dried up. That's called growth equity. Mm. That money has, has dried up mm. in large measure. So, um, it's difficult to get, and you have to build an incredibly, incredibly credible case um, to be able to get that level of funding. Now, I can't tell you the number of, of founders and executives who who've said, I'm glad we closed on that round before all this happened. Um, and, um, th- you know, this is dangerous because this will, uh, to the um, listener's point, will cause people to look askance at other Mm. founders, Mm. right? Recently, Ryan, what's his face? Another celebrity founder from Flexport. He was removed. Um, I'm sorry. He chose, I'm sure 
to uh, exit the CEO seat and become executive chairman. Um, other uh, executives are, you know, well-known and celebrity executives have been have been given the opportunity to seek career advancement <laughs> elsewhere um, or other roles within the company. Um, and, 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 you know, this happens when there's a lot of froth in the market. People fall in love with the story. Right. They fall in yeah. love with the founder. Right. Masayoshi Son from, from SoftBank is well known to have done that. 45-minute meeting with the founder of WeWork, who I will contend is a com- total scam artist, um, and gave him a billion dollars. So um, right. this will cause increased scrutiny on even the most legitimate of founders. And I, I think it's, it's unfair for these scam artists to reap the benefits of fame and maybe fortune. Although if you look at what people estimate this is this is the good side of this, guys. Wow. If you look at what people estimate Chris's uh, net worth to be for a company that he runs, that is worth let's just say three hundred and fifty million dollars, his net worth is five point two million dollars, which means he owns just over one percent of the company. Am I doing that right? Yes, one percent of the company. So, and and that's a problem also because when a founder owns that little of the company then they are much, much less in, engaged in the success mm. of the company. So that's also a mistake of the investors to allow that or, or cause that, right. maybe in their own greed, for that to happen. And then to take their eye off the ball and let, let this guy um, run roughshod right. over the people in the, in the business and, and, and endanger their investment as well. I, I just yeah. don't understand yep. it on a lot of ways. The sponsors uh, not getting paid, you know, reminds me of another business model called Ponzi scheme. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it, it could be. I mean, it's you know, you know these. I mean, these investors they are MBAs at some of the best schools. Many of them, yeah. Wharton, U- University of Pennsylvania, the best business school in the world. Just um, business and, school doesn't it, mean you learn anything. But it, and it's hard to get over on them, but you're right. Sometimes even they get caught up in, you know, in the ether, yeah. as I call it, that, right? They get high on the phone right. or, or FOMO, right? Mm, fear of missing um, out. Right. So uh, a couple of quick comments here. Uh, a tool also says growth at all cost is out. We're back to growing with fiscal responsibility. Nicely said there. Yeah. Uh, T-squared, great to have you here back uh, with us here today. The mafia metaphor and the greed was on the mark. <laughs> Makes me think of Bernard Ebers. Of Ooh, World yeah. Yeah. MCI. MCI. Yeah. Uh, Greed and cheapness on roids will take a company out, T-squared says. Uh, also, you heard... There was a substance involved, I would guess, but I doubt it was roids. Mm. <laughs> Sylvia says, I have been accused to act like I own the company by a former employer. My response was, if you would if you would act like you own the company, I wouldn't have to... Uh, I quit shortly thereafter. So. <laughs> uh, don't anger yeah, Sylvia. Yeah, don't mess with Sylvia Judy. Hey, um, Greg also mentioned the phrase, a sconce. That's the first time I've ever heard someone use that phrase um, in per, in a conversation with me. I had to look it up. And what that means. Today it's known as the side eye. Yes, the side eye. So if, if you look, um, you, if you look a sconce at folks, you're looking with them with an attitude or look in suspicion or disapproval. A S K A 
NCE. Very nice, Greg. Thank you for expanding our vocabularies. Uh, between you and Kevin, between you and Kevin, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to finally <laughs> move on to the next level. Fast uh, English. Also, <laughs> yeah, fast English. Finally, um, do y'all know the first name and maybe the general time frame? Y'all, uh, Kevin mentioned Ponzi. Yes. Who, where did that start with? Any guesses here, Greg or Kevin? I've read about it, but no, I don't no. remember. Uh, no Googling, that's Kevin. Google, no Googling. That's it a is. Google point. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, Charles Ponzi. Oh, and nice. in the 19, uh, 19 teens and 1920s, um, I think in the Boston area was where uh, Charles Ponzi was from, I believe. Um, so anyway, um, all right, so we got to move on. And, of course, y'all check out the story. Don't take our word for it. Y'all te- check it out via Emma Cosgrove from the Business Insider. That is the CEO that Greg references in the middle there as they're out at, at some game or what have you. But y'all check that out and let us know what you think. Okay, so Greg and Kevin, moving right along, I want to talk about – Are those your new guys? They are. Oh, yeah, thank nice. you. Eagle, Eagle Eye. Eagle Eye, Greg. So – Okay. Kevin, long, I've long said, Greg never misses a thing. It's so true. <laughs> you can't get anything past him. Don't get it. Yeah. So I am. Um, My grasp for the obvious is incredible. <laughs> right. Uh, and Amanda points out, thank you, Amanda. Charles Ponzi was an Italian immigrant. Uh, so he maybe just lived in Boston. Good point. Um, but talking shoes. So Greg and Kevin, I've long time, long time since college, mm-hmm. 20 some years ago, been a New Balance customer. In fact, the only tennis shoes I've been per, I've purchased since college have all been New Balance for various reasons. Um, so I, I decided uh, after seeing um, uh, some of the styles and, and just trying to want to shake it up a little bit to become a Nike customer again. Okay. So this next article, and by the way, I'm very pleased. I didn't go the digital route and get it designed and all. I went to my local uh, Dick Sporting Goods, I believe, and and I've uh, been really happy with them. But Elizabeth Nix, uh, Mixon, sorry, Elizabeth Mixon, and the Intelligent Automation Network are reporting on how the company is winning big from its digital transformation efforts. So here's a couple highlights, and of course, Greg and Kevin, I'm gonna get y'all's take here. Uh, so digital channels now account for some 26 percent of Nike revenues, and they're growing considerably. So Nike, of course, has made a variety of investments over the last few years to be in position to meet the customer where they want to be met. So launching mobile apps, launching chatbots in partnership with a group called Lay, I believe, L-A-I-Y-E. Uh, they've acquired Dialogue last year, which is a data integration startup platform, which helps uh, power Nike's data immense data science efforts. Along those lines, you might recall that Nike acquired two predictive analytics tools, uh, one by the name of Zodiac, and Greg, you'll like this, one by the name of Select, but with a C. Because uh-huh. uh, as you always said, technology firms have to get creative with their spelling. <laughs> so Zodiac <laughs> and Select in recent years were acquired by Nike. What type of and, example are we setting for the children? <laughs> that's right. That's right. right. <laughs> with our bad grammar. Yeah. Everybody's going to be spelling and speaking <laughs> like me, Kevin. Um but and Kevin, you'll like this. They've Nike has entered the metaverse uh, last fall. They call it Nike Land, yeah. and it's hosted by Roblox. Seven million visitors just since November 2021 when they when they launched it. So they ain't messing around. In fact, uh, 
uh, I thought this was a Nike commercial, that what I'm about to say, but it actually it goes back to a Reebok commercial back in the day featuring Shaq. Uh, I'll say Nike ain't faking the funk on a nasty dunk with their <laughs> digital transformation supply chain promise. So last comment here, Greg and Kevin, what's the so what? And what is a so what? Well, from a supply chain perspective, as an article and, 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 and clearly uh, as the story is pointing out, one of the things that this digital transformation, immense, massive digital transformation has allowed for in the physical world is Nike is better able to pre-position its products in the right places at the right times so its customers can get the right stuff at the right price at the right time and be happy, much like, much like their newest one of their newest customers in Scott Luton, right? I don't like talking about myself in third person, but um, you know, y'all get it to what I'm saying. You know, to have this product that I would have bought in my hometown store, I imagine there's just a little bit of data science uh, involved there. Yeah. So fascinating to see what Nike's doing. Greg and Kevin, and Kevin, I'll get your take first here. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Nike was recognized by Gartner. I think they're one of the top 25 um, top supply chains in the globe. So, um, you know, doing some really cool things. But, Kevin, what sticks out to you? So I'm going to start off with that, that metaverse part uh, because, you know, we're going to talk more about what I'm doing here in Galveston with the uh, June 19th Museum, but we actually have a digital twin uh, of the June 19th Museum. And uh, while we won't be launching the museum until uh, next year, June 19th, 2023, we're going to use the digital twin to actually design the museum. And we're going to have multiple versions, and we're going to interact with the public to get their vote, what we should be doing, what we should not be doing. And we're leveraging the, the metaverse to improve our communications and our interaction with real people. So we can improve our relationship with the community, the global community. So um, the, the metaverse is a real thing. It's a real valuable thing. Um, and this is one way we're like digitally transforming the whole museum experience. The second thing I want to uh, point out is if you go read the article under the supply chain transformation, they say that Nike has expanded the use of cobots, um, the collaborative robots. Um, and they are, as we talked about in the first article, these uh, they're using the man sensing technology and inventory optimization platforms to increase the speed of order processing. So um, right. this this automation or this hyper-automation is, is, is everywhere. So don't ignore it. That's right. Can't ignore it. Greg, I'm coming to you. But before I do, I want to uh, – Marie Hurst is with us. And Marie is a supply chain rock and roll star. I was able to sit down one-on-one -on -one with Marie a few weeks back. So great to have you uh, with us here today. She says, Nike has done significant work to protect their brand against devaluing. Note that they've grown their capabilities so that they could cool, that they could pull their product back into their own control, avoiding coupons and discounting that retailers, retailers love to toss about. Well said there, uh, Marie, and thanks for being here. All right, so Greg, we're talking about the digital transformation, the massive digital transformation that Nike has been persevering through. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, they just made $31 million selling virtual shoes, didn't they? <laughs> um, right? 20,000 20, pairs of NFT shoes wow. that don't exist. They do exist. They, they made $31 million. <laughs> right. 
Called a virtual asset. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't devalue the metaverse, right? right? That I, NFTs, are, there's a whole different, there, there is a great practical business usage, but like many things, we have to go through the, whatever you want to call it, early salad days of, <laughs> of technologies before we find what the, what the actual valuable use is. Um, they are creating value for some people, but not really value beyond that. Um, but in, in any case, um, I think this whole notion of digital twins is genius. What have I always said in supply chain? We predict the wrong thing. We keep predicting items. We keep saying this is how this pair of shoes sold. This is how this pair of shoes has a season or is growing or is trending down or whatever. But the truth is that's not what's happening at all. Look at any of the items surrounding you right now, right where you are. What are they doing? Nothing. <laughs> what we need to predict in supply chain is the, the shopper and the ability of the met, that the metaverse gives us, just like Kevin, you're experiencing, it allows us to create a product that is more marketable or a combination of products that are more marketable by allowing people to virtually try it on or, or test their lifestyle with these products or in, in the case of Kevin and the Juneteenth Museum to, to present it in a way that will attract more people to the museum and to continue to iterate that and, and continue to learn on learn that. What are we doing? We are predicting the actions of our consumers in order to be able to provide them with something they truly value and that they will give us money for. So finally, I think this is a transition to predicting the consumer, mm -hmm. right? And, and understanding influence on the consumer. What influences the consumer to buy our product or visit our museum or whatever? Um, so it's it's a genius um, usage of the metaverse yes. from that standpoint. Well said. And Kevin, I'm going to get your last comment before I do. Uh, if we can, Amanda, Chantel, and Catherine, again, thanks for all that y'all do. If we could drop um, Marie's Hearst episode, uh, that link in the comments, that'd be great. Um, and then secondly, Greg, amongst the things, and one of the things that Marie's talking about um, is, you know, a couple years ago, Nike left Amazon. Um, and you know, there, there, we could say, we could have a whole series dedicated to all of that. Uh, but it's really interesting, uh, the changes that these, uh, iconic brands have been making to persevere through, um, you know, the, these times we're in, um, Kevin, uh, your final thought, or first off, uh, are you a Nike customer as well? Am I a Nike customer? Yes. I actually, yeah, I like customer. I like that. Always, yeah. always doing the swoosh, right? <laughs> well, hey, we got the swoosh here so that's right all right we have our own version of the swoosh that is right that's uh, right and and right. for the army of lawyers Victory. at nike uh it's it does not look anything like the swoosh that you can find uh, let me clarify we're, we're a little too far but, there right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Kevin, I love, as we've talked, you know, on this digital transformers version of the supply chain buzz, I love your emphasis on the human factor, right? right? Even as big of a supply chain or as big of a digital transformation, uh, transformation guru that you are, you emphasize always the human factor. So I'm gonna give your, your final thought here on this Nike story. So, um, we, we've learned over the past two years that, uh, using the past to predict the future never works. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, looking at your equation to what happened and how, how it happened last year, don't help you tomorrow. 
But with the metaverse is happening, right. what's happening in the metaverse is that your the um, uh, companies are establishing two-way communication with their customers, right? Real-time interaction. So they don't need to predict. They just ask, what do you want today? What do you want tomorrow? How do you feel? <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, that's where, that's the present. Not the future, that's the present. Mm, well said. Um, finally, yep. uh, you know, Nike, I don't know about y'all, but I went through a bunch of Nikes as a, a kid, you know, back when Bo Jackson rolled out the cross trainer back in the 80s, if y'all remember that. Of course, the iconic um, uh, Jordans, but the Spike Lee commercials, uh, you know, all that good stuff. But got to be the shoes, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Little Penny, of course. But, you yeah, know, Nikes. Now, that's uh, shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that we should. We should check it out. But you know, I always thought Nikes would run small. I, I usually bought half a size under what I did with other brands. That's from at least from my perspective, folks. That's not the case anymore. They don't run small anymore. So, but fascinating to see what they're doing digital transformation standpoint. We got to leave it there. Let's move right along. And by the way, Peter Bole, all night and all day. Great to have you here. Congrats on all all the cool things you're up to now. You'll, I'll, I'll, I'll let. Uh, I'll leave it up to you if you want to share uh, in the comments, but I uh, hope this finds you well. And we also have dropped the interview with Marie Hurst in the comments. Y'all check that out. Uh, fascinating uh, chat uh, with uh, an intriguing supply chain leader. Okay. So, uh, Greg and Kevin, I love the chat so far. We're going to switch gears. Uh, on the front end, even though Greg didn't let it out of the bag, I just knew you were going to. Um we were talking about what uh, what Kevin and his team and, and lots of other folks, ball accounts, spent their Juneteenth Sunday yesterday doing. And Kevin, we got something special we're going to share visually when we get to that part. But tell us first, yeah. uh, what, what's going on in Galveston yesterday? So, yes. So, um, as many of you know, um, I am uh, uh, working with June. Uh, June 19 Museum Incorporated. Um, um, I'm actually the president of the June 19 Museum Corporation, and we are. Uh, we've been working over the past year uh, to launch a, a Juneteenth Museum here in Galveston, Texas. Um, so Galveston was the site of the final battle of the, the Civil War in the United States, the U.S. Civil War. And as many uh, know, uh, uh, the um, slave, it was, the Civil War actually was not fought initially to end slavery. Um, uh, President uh, Lincoln famously said, you know, he basically said, I don't care if they have slaves or don't have slaves. I'm trying to save the country. Um, and Right. It was because of the secession of the southern right. states ultimately went back to slavery and, and, and a lot of other things. Yeah, but right. Yeah, so right, he just wanted to right. keep the country together. Uh, but um, he had, it would, turned out to be a, a wonderful strategy, actually. He decided to uh, release the Emancipation Proclamation. And what's little known is that uh, the Emancipation Proclamation did not free all slaves. It only freed slaves in states that had succeeded from the Union. And that it was it was economic warfare. 
all of the states in the South depended on slaves for to run their economy. So he's basically cutting their legs out from under him. Although, you know, uh, President Lincoln abhorred slavery, he was acting on behalf as the president uh, and trying to save right. uh, the country. But so he released the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. But, you know, if you're in the South and you're a slave owner, you're not going to go out and tell all your slaves you're now free. <laughs> Right. So none of the enslaved people even heard or knew about the Emancipation Proclamation until a a union force would enter and liberate the city. So Galveston, Texas, was the very last city to be liberated in the U.S. um, Civil War. And General Granger led the union force that over the city. So the enslaved uh, um, population uh, heard due to a general order, because now General Granger was um, the marshal in in charge of the uh, region here, and he released what's known as General Order Number 3 in Galveston, which was a restatement of the Emancipation Proclamation standard all slaves were free. So these were the very last enslaved persons in the United States to become free. And that happened uh, over two and a half years after the original Emancipation Proclamation in 1865 here in Galveston, Hmm. Texas on June 19th. So that is the original, the origination of June 19th. So we're going to put a, uh, uh, we christened uh, a building here, which is a a custom house. So in 1861, just prior to the Civil War, the United States built a custom house and courthouse here in Galveston, Texas. It was the very first federal building to be built in Texas by the U.S. government. And it's, I don't know what to call it, ironic or what, but, you know, customs is where you go pay taxes when you are doing basically international trade. And slavery was international trade. So you would, basically, you would come to the custom house to pay taxes on the humans that you are buying from the Middle Passage. Um, Mm. But we are transforming this location into a museum that will be dedicated to inclusion um, and diversity and the elimination of the modern slavery or human trafficking. And uh, in fact, in 1865, uh, the, when uh, June 10th was born, there were approximately 20,000 slaves in the world. Today, there are over 40,000 slaves in the world. So we mm. are really excited. We had the uh, we had the mayor of Galveston here. We had the um, 
uh, uh, um, Council Member Sharon um, Lewis, who our museum will is is located in the district here. Um, we will be we christened the building. We'll be renovating for the next year and opening the museum in Juneteenth, 2023. But we were also honored to have uh, address us. Uh, council, I mean, um, Congresswoman uh, Sheila Jackson Lee of the uh, 18th District, our congressional district here in in uh, Texas. And uh, we were entered in the congressional record uh, for our work and uh, christening of the June 19th Museum. Man, uh, that is unbelievable uh, in many ways. Uh Going back to a data point, because Kevin, I bet when you said 20,000, 40,000, I bet, I wish it was that, but I bet it was 20 million and 40 million. Uh, oh, Kevin, yeah. is that yeah, right? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unbelievable. 20 million yeah, that's right. back then, 40 million today. Globally. Yeah, globally. So, so, and as, as our friends Greg, Tim Nelson, and Hope for Justice have, have educated us, along with Kevin, on just how much modern slavery and global trafficking, not only how much is it's growing, and sadly it's a vibrant underground economy, but it, it I think $150 million economy, Greg, here in the States attributed to uh, trafficking uh, alone. Greg, your, your thoughts on what uh, Kevin has shared here today? Um, it's about time. Um, I mean, I think, honestly, that was one, that was one of the aspects of, uh, civil war, I guess, whatever you call it, history that I was never taught. I never knew that that, uh, that ever happened until uh, maybe a, a year or two ago, you know, when Kevin started describing that to us. So um, fascinating, not surprising, but interesting. I mean, in the times of information then, um, though I'm sure that the whoever was in control at that time just simply ignored the, the executive order by President Lincoln, um, not surprising that you could get away with that, um, but um, certainly time that that was rectified. And, and I can't think of anyone better to represent and help, um, you know, uplift uh, something so important in American history. Mm. So, Kevin, I'm proud to know you, yes. just proud to know you. And thanks to you and everyone else who, who uh, has made this Ooh, happen. Agreed. Definitely I'm appreciate it. It's going to be a, a destination, uh, certainly in Galveston, for more and more folks to come out, learn more about some of these things that Greg just was, was speaking about that he didn't learn and that many folks didn't learn in their history classes. Um, I mentioned Hope for Justice. Uh, I, I think yeah. I've seen yeah. uh, New Hope for Justice, actually. That is wonderful. Uh, that's, they're the most powerful nonprofit in the world fighting to eliminate and eradicate uh, human slavery and modern trafficking. Uh, Richard, I think this is Richard. Richard says he visits Galveston six, seven times a year. So you got a new place to visit uh, when you're down in Galveston. Sylvia says uh, back on Emancip Emancipation Proclamation, uh, it's actually one of the hundred questions in the naturalization test that folks that want to be citizens have to pass. Uh, that is really cool. The Emancipation, emancipation Procl Proclamation thing, right? Yes. Not the Juneteenth. No, no, no. Emancipation Proclamation. That's right. Right. Um, yeah. All right. So, Kevin, if folks want to learn more, and we touched on this uh, this 
certificate of congressional recognition, which is really cool. Folks can uh, y'all can check out the replay. We've dropped the replay to yesterday's um, events in the comments. Y'all check that out. But Kevin, if folks want to learn more about what you mm -hmm. and your team are doing there in Galveston, where can they go? So I would go to June19Museum.com and you can uh, um, also actually learn about our NFTs. <laughs> we have commemorative <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> Shut up, Greg. Oh. <laughs> we got to get we got to y'all to we got yeah, well, we we're going to have to have you can get membership in the museum. Can I get Can I get a Can I get a real copy? <laughs> we're going to have a NFT discussion between Greg and Kevin and we're going to sell tickets to it. Um but Kevin, uh that URL again was uh, yeah, june19museum.com. Um, okay. and you can Go always follow me. Nice looking site. Great, thank you. Thank you. And you can also follow yeah. me um, on this little show called Digital Transformers. That's supply chain now. <laughs> Man, you say little. It is blowing up. It is blowing up. Uh, you know, we launched that show, I want to say, uh, what, late last yeah. year? Kevin, does that sound about right? Yeah. And it is shooting up. Uh, it is shooting up the uh, the podcast charts. I want to say it was top two hundred. Yes, uh, actually, we broke. We were like, well, we were eighty six in in India. Uh, we got like a hundred and two in the United States at one time. So we're, we're man, you know. that is wonderful. Wonderful news. We look forward to more big things coming out of. Uh, the offices of Kevin L. Jackson, I'll put it. Um, <laughs> all right. So really appreciate your, your take here today. But, Greg, um, I loved your supply chain commentary going back on the Slink story. Um, uh, I love kind of how you laid it out there. Um, tell me, when do, when do you publish? How often do you publish that? Yeah, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Today, uh, that was actually an article that I had chosen separate from my newsletter, which – uh, you can subscribe to also your day in supply chain. Um, again, I need to be better about getting the the link out there, but it's it's uh, it comes out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday also, and has some of the top supply chain news on it. So I'll try to be more diligent in LinkedIn. If you want to follow me on LinkedIn, in LinkedIn to um, promote that that newsletter, so folks can subscribe to it. Yeah, you got to, and you you. Don't need to just subscribe. Folks, jump in there and you got to follow or connect with Greg to do it. But jump in there and and share your comment. Greg usually responds to just about every comment. One and thing you know, you it might say about those though. Um, I tell you, when you the things you write about are so apropos and so important. Mm. Um, I find myself reading them multiple times. <laughs> so so uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. Well, I really appreciate that, Kevin, because I mean, I, um, I put a lot of thought into what I'm going to say. And sometimes, as you've seen, mm -hmm. if you've read it, it's sometimes it's specifically on the topic. Somebody sometimes it is what some trigger point in in the original article makes me think about or remains unsaid or or perhaps misrepresented yeah. inadvertently misrepresented in the article or not completely represented. In not in so, um, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, there's so much that we need to know. I believe in complete and total every single word of the truth as if, as, as 
people who know me know. And if you've read these things, you'll see. Um, and I think that's important, particularly today, for us to expose the entirety of the truth and help people understand, in a lot of cases, the yeah. context of of some of these discussions that we're having. Well said. So, yeah, thanks, man. Well said. Uh, all right, so one final word. Going back to shoes, I'm surprised we didn't get more chatter about folks' about favorite shoes. shoes, but Julia said, uh, and great to see you, Julia. Great, thanks for being here. It's important to physically try the shoes from the customer point of view. That, that's right. No one wants to buy it and have to return it. So, But, hey, these leading shoe companies are coming up with new ways of sizing it uh, if you buy were to buy digitally. So, uh, And in the store, we still have the tried and true thumb rule, at least if you're still <laughs> growing with the kids, if y'all bought kids. As long as <laughs> we just bought Ben some shoes, my youngest, and as long as you've got a good thumb between his – his uh, big toe and the end of the shoe that's been around for, I don't know, decades. It still works. Evidently it's still the scientific approach to making sure it's a big enough shoe. Um, okay. Love it. okay. All right, folks, make sure to connect with Greg and with Kevin. Uh, I agree with both of them. I mean, you're going to learn so much by following, connecting with, you know, uh, diving and leaning into their, uh, their point of view and their expertise. So check out uh, supply chain comp uh, commentaries with Greg. And of course, uh, you want to follow him and Kevin for all things digital transformers as well, uh, transformation as well as June19museum.com. I get that right, yeah, Kevin? June19museum.com. Okay. Thank you very much. Y'all check that out. And yeah. folks, whatever you do, Hey, we got to act on these things that we learn, right? We got to take, we got to uh, walk through the windows and doors. No, walk through the doors of opportunity. Don't walk through the windows of opportunity. <laughs> walk through the doors through the of opportunity. You walk through the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leap through the window, climb through the window. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, it's Monday. Regardless, it's all about deeds, not words. So, on behalf of our entire team here, Scott Luton challenging you today do good, to give forward and to be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.